0: Well, amen. Thank you, Pastor Ricky. Choir praise team for leading us in that time of worship. If you will take your copy of God's Word, First Baptist Family, and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse 14 in just a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. This morning, I'd like for us to consider just the subject, the topic of transformation. How we as believers have been transformed in order to be transformers. How we as followers of Christ, as we who've experienced the love, mercy, and grace of Christ, we who've tasted of God's favor, how now we have been transformed by Christ and his work for us and how now we are called to be his agents of transformation. When I hear the word transformation, I'm reminded of a story that I heard a while back. Many years ago, there was an old farmer who took his family to to the big city for the very first time. They come riding into the city. None of them had ever seen the city before. Come driving into the city, and they're amazed by some of the sights that they see. They're amazed at at the buildings, amazed at the shops, and and just blown away at, at how large and how big and how bright and how exciting everything looks in the in the big city well the farmer dropped his wife and daughter off at a department store they'd never been in one before and he and his son go to the bank because they have some business to take care of and as as they pull up to the bank it is the it is the largest the tallest building in in all of the city they come walking into the lobby of the bank and and they see something else they would never seen before as they walk into the lobby, they see these two giant steel doors right in front of them, and, and as they walk in the door, the doors open up, and, and a rather, maybe we'll say a rather large elderly woman, older woman, walks into the doors, and, and just as she walks in, she turns around, and she does something, and all of a sudden, they see the doors close, and, And as the doors close, there's this old dial that's over the top of those doors, and and it's numbered from 1 to 20. The farmer's just sitting there watching. Just pause for a second, and that dial goes all the way up to 20 real slow. Sits there for a minute and comes all the way back down to 1. Just as it gets to 1, those big steel doors open up again, and, and out walks this really young, attractive woman. The farmer is just floored. His jaw nearly hits the ground, man. He's just like, what? He turns around and he looks at his son and he says, I don't know what kind of transformation machine that is, but wait here. I'm going to get your mama and run her through it. (laughs) If transformation could only be so easy. Right? If it could just be that easy. Well, I have news for you. In a real sense... In a, in a sense, transformation is exactly that easy. Being transformed from, a, from the old man, a, a life that's filled and characterized by sin, to a life that no longer is existent in sin, to a life that is now freed from the, from the consequences and the penalty of sin, a, a life that's transformed from the old way and the old flesh to, to a life that now reflects the glory of God. It is very possible. And it might just be almost that easy, in a sense. Where do we see it? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll ask you if you will stand in honor of reading God's Word this morning. 2 Corinthians 5, we begin reading in verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible this morning. For the love of Christ compels us since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then we do not know anything from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, listen, church, if anyone is in Christ, say it with me, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, We are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the very righteousness of God. Would you pray with me? Gracious loving Father, I ask that as we dig into your word this morning, that, Lord, you would remind us of the transforming, radical power of Christ. That, Lord, we would would be compelled, we would be transformed, that, Lord, we would be moved to be transformers ourselves. Lord, I pray that your word would speak to our hearts this day. And, Lord, even though we live in in a broken and dying and hurting city and world, that, Lord, we... Would be reminded of the great work of Christ. And it would fill us with all hope and joy. Lord, we would be reminded that in that hope and joy, we now have, a, have an awesome privilege, an awesome opportunity to become transformers ourselves, to become agents of change. Lord, we can speak into this broken city. We can speak into this dying world. And that, Lord, we could see you show up and show out. Lord, speak to our hearts this morning. Remind us of who we are as First Baptist New Orleans. Remind us of why you've called us. Remind us of why you've placed us here. All for the glory of Christ. And it is his perfect and precious name we give you and ask all these things. Amen. You may be seated. This morning as we think about Second Corinthians 5, in this passage we're going to see how the love of Christ compels and transforms us so that, so that our lives actually reflect the glory of God. So we'll see. We'll see that, that it is, it is the, the love of Christ that, that compels us and then also transforms us so that we can actually be a reflection of the same glory, so we can be a reflection of this love to a lost and dying world. We'll see that even even when it seems like all hope is lost in this world, even when it seems like our very city is rocked back on its heels because of crime, because of poverty, because of, because of horrible circumstances, that even in the midst of a world that seems like all hope is lost, that remembering his love, remembering his love, remembering his work of transformation is what will Push us. It's what will encourage us. It was what will motivate us so that we can be a people who live our lives as those filled with absolute joy. Three truths in this text that we'll see. The first one is this if you want to know what 2 Corinthians, Corinthians 5 is all about, right here we'll see the first truth is be compelled by the love of Jesus. Be compelled by the love of Christ. Pick back up in verse 14. Look at it closely. It says, For the love of Christ compels us just just think of the love of Jesus for a moment in verse 15 the word clearly tells us that he died for all the scripture is very clear that none of us was ever deserving of God's grace and unmerited favor but what what God did is is he proved his love towards us in this Romans 5 you see it on the screen Romans 5 verse 8 tells us that that God proves his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us we're undeserving, we're unworthy. Yet God showed us his unmerited favor by sending his son Jesus Christ to live a perfect life and yet to be willing to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. Think about that love for a moment. Think about the love of God shown to us through Christ. Now now, with that picture and that thought of love in your eye, understand the word here tells us in verse 14 that that love should compel us It should move us. Literally, the word for compel means it can control us. It it is to rule over us. Now, understand, this is not some physical forcing. It's not like the Star Wars where some force controls our bodies physically. My son's down there right now doing doing force powers towards me. That's not what this word's about. It's not some physical forcing. This word for compel, listen, it, 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 what Paul teaches is that, is that a true encounter with the love of God through the sacrifice of Jesus should give us an overwhelming desire to love him in return. We say that we're a people who've experienced the love of God. We say, we say that we've, we've tasted of his favor. We say that we've, we've tasted of his mercy. We've experienced God's un. Ending unconditional love. That love, church, should be what, what compels us. That love should be what controls us. That, that love should be what moves us and, and leads us and, and guides us. Can I be honest? Let me tell you what I think compels and moves and leads and guides most people today, unfortunately, even many Christians. Fox News. CNN, MSNBC, WWL, Channel Four, Fox Eight. Right, we we turn on the TV, and we hear commentators. We hear people talk about everything that's happening in the world. We see, we see the chaos unfolding at a Walmart right next to where many of us in this room live a place that we walk into each and every day. We see all of the chaos around us. We see all that's going on. And it, and it, it is oftentimes, hear me, it's oftentimes what begins, whether we know it, whether we desire it, whether we like it, it's what, it's what actually begins to control us. It's what, it's what oftentimes begins to steer us. It's what oftentimes begins to direct us. We say, did you see what happened? Did you hear about that? Well, I'll never go back there again. I'll never set foot in those doors. Listen, I, I live at the seminary campus, and I'm so grateful that God has planted the seminary campus here. But I can, tell you, can I tell you one of the dangers of even living on the seminary campus? I've seen it for years. People come to the campus. They live in a little piece of Mayberry that's in East New Orleans, locked away, tucked away, removed from the world. And when they step foot off campus into the world, they're all of a sudden shocked. Look, that's not just New Orleans, that's the world. Anywhere you go, we we see the news, we watch the news, we see so many other things. and, And oftentimes, let me put it this way, our fear, our fear, our worry, it's what controls us. It's what compels us. It's what leads us and guides us. Paul says, think about the love of God for a moment. Do you understand Paul writing this letter? I mean, Paul's been in prison. Paul's been beaten with an inch of his life. Everywhere Paul goes, he gets into trouble. He goes into places. Let me tell you, Paul goes to places that would make New Orleans look like Vatican City. Paul's in some hard places. Paul's in some corrupt places. and, And everywhere he goes, he gets into trouble. Everywhere he goes, he nearly dies. And he's writing to a church that's in Corinth, one of the most despicable places of all. And he says, "Even even though you're surrounded by all this chaos and all, just think about the love of Jesus for a moment. Just remember, church. Remember the love of God. And let that be what controls you. Let that be what steers you. Let that be what guides you. Let the love of God... Take over your life and send you to places that's going to be hard. Keep you in places that's going to be hard. Lead you, control you, guide you. Remember the love of God. Remember the love of Christ and let it take over your life. If we've truly experienced the love of Christ, verse 15 tells us that we will no longer live for ourselves, but for the one who died for us and was raised. If we've tasted of the love of Christ, our old self will be dead. The old life, the old way, it's gone. That then leads us to the second truth. Not only are we to to be compelled by the love of Jesus, but because we remember the love of Jesus and it compels us, it leads us to an important truth that we are called to be transformed by, by the power of Jesus. Hear me, church, be, be controlled, be compelled by the love of Jesus, and then secondly, be transformed by the power of Jesus. To, to say that we are in Christ means that we are in union with the Lord. Look, look at verses 16 through 18 again. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective. There were many who were there who might have experienced, seen Christ, right? But yet now we no longer know Him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in christ he is a new creation in order for us to say that we are in christ it means that we are united with him why is this important why is it important to to remember that that it is christ residing in in us through the through the power and the presence of the holy spirit what, is, what does christ do in us and, and what is the holy spirit's purpose for for dwelling in us there's some important truths here in this Scripture, and really it's just important for us to be reminded. You know, you think about the love of God, we think about the love of Christ, and that should compel us, that should be what controls us. Well, i got good news for you. God loves you so much that whenever He came into you, He didn't want to leave you the same. We sometimes talk about loving God and, and trusting in Jesus Christ, and we think that we can just pray a prayer, walk an aisle, get dunked into a baptistry, and, and then all of a sudden that, that our, our life will be completely different. We just, we, just, we just go through that motion, right? And we say we love God, but yet we're, we're not in Christ. We're not walking with Him. We're, we're not experiencing life with Him. Hear me, if we truly are compelled by the love of Christ, then we'll know that, we'll be reminded that God loves us so much that he would not leave us the same. That salvation in Christ is what also then begins to, to put us on a path of, of transformation. That We are becoming more and more like Christ each and every day because of the abiding Holy Spirit in us. Verse 17 tells us that we are a, what does it say? Look at it. That we are a new creation, a new creation. I love the, the Life Application Study Bible's note here. It says, I love the way it said it, we're, we're not reformed, we're not rehabilitated, we're not even reeducated. We are recreated. We're a new creation, a new creature living in vital union with Christ. Hear me, church. The love of Christ should compel us, should compel us to walk more deeply and intimately with Him. And as we do such, we see that His transforming power is making us new each and every day, that His transforming power is leading and guiding us everywhere, every step of the way, that constantly God is working and moving in our lives, making us look, sound, act, more like Jesus today more than he did yesterday verse 16 tells us that our lives once looked like the world right our lives were once characterized where self was sitting on the throne of our heart but when we trusted in Jesus Christ and we are reunited in Him, in Christ, through the promise of the Holy Spirit in us. That at that very moment, the Holy Spirit knocked the old self off the seat. And the Holy Spirit now resides in us on the throne of our hearts. And He's changing us as we live in Christ. Paul said in Colossians 2, 6 through 7, you'll see it on the screen. Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, being rooted and built up in Him and and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. You, just, just as you received Christ as Lord, continue to live in Him, Holy Spirit's work in us is that, is that he begins to radically transform us. He begins to make us look more and more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit does this because the scriptures teach us in verse 19 that, that because of him coming and dwelling in us, that, that he has reconciled us. He has reconciled us with Christ himself. Look at verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. You see, we were once enemies of God, but, but now we're reconciled. Literally, that word for reconcile means to put someone into a right relationship with God, to, to bring parties together who once were opposed. There's a big football game happening in New Orleans tomorrow. Um. I can only imagine other that believe in sportsmanship they'll they'll all be happy and but when they get on that field Monday night I can guarantee you there's there's going to be a lot of frustration taken out on each other. What I love about college football is in the end is even whoever wins right that there there will be a time where they come together and congratulate each other on the field because it's just two teams coming together playing a game and playing their best and And even though there's a war for a few moments, it comes together in the end to bring about reconciliation. Look, you and I, we were at war with God. And When the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in us, he reconciled us to the Father. The Holy Spirit has brought us back into a right relationship with the Father. He reconciles us by erasing our sins and making us ourselves righteous and, and ultimately adopting us into the family of God. Paul says in Ephesians 2, it's a little lengthy passage. I'll provide it for you on the screen. In Ephesians 2, 13 through 18, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself, listen, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. If you're here this morning and your life has never been transformed by the awesome, forgiving grace of God, can I say today's the day that you trust in Jesus? Today is the day if, if you will confess your sins, if you will trust in Jesus Christ, if, 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 you will, if you will place your hands in his life, he will give you a new life. He will fill you with joy. He will forgive you a reason for living. He will, he will change you radically. He will begin this process of, of transforming you and, and ultimately creating in you a new heart and, and perfecting you for, for his glory. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be simple. In fact, you look elsewhere in Scripture, sometimes we'll see it become harder. But he'll give you a purpose for living. And he'll give you a promise for a better future. A future in his presence for all eternity. If you've never trusted in Jesus, today is the day. If you have, church, is God still transforming you? Is he still working in you, making you look more and more like Jesus in every day? Hear me, we as, as his people, we're, we're called to be compelled by the love of Jesus. We remember what Christ has done for us. And and as we place our faith in him, we do it once, but each and every day we continue to die to the self and and we live for the glory of God and the Holy Spirit on the throne of our hearts continues to to do a great and mighty work in us. And and each and every day he's, he's transforming us as we've been reconciled with God himself. But it doesn't end there. The third and final truth in this text, and this is where I want us to remember where we are, This is where I want us to remember where we are in New Orleans. This is where I want us to remember what First Baptist New Orleans should be all about. You ready for it? Truth number three, serve as transformers for Jesus. Pick up in verse 19. We just read it. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Aren't you glad God didn't count our trespasses against us? What a beautiful promise there. And now listen, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we said two weeks ago every time you see a therefore, you ask what? What's it there for? God did not count your sins against you. God offered you His unmerited favor and His grace. God gave you the promise of the Holy Spirit. God saved you. God allowed the Holy Spirit to dwell in your life. God is continuing to transform you. Therefore, church, God did all of that. Therefore, you've got something to do in return. Grace is free. If salvation is free, you and I, we can't do anything to earn it. We can't deserve it. We just trust in Jesus Christ. But when we do, when we do, as free as it may be, at that point, you ready for this? At that point, once salvation comes, undeserved, unearned, once it comes, it should cost every one of us everything he's committed the message of reconciliation to us therefore we are ambassadors for christ since god is making his appeal through us god god one of these days jesus christ is going to come again and one of these days god's work is going to be done it's going to be final and at that moment Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Some will be in the presence of God Almighty in heaven. Some will experience eternity in hell, separated from the love of God. That is truth because the Word says it. But in the meantime, God is still speaking that truth to a lost and dying world through us. He's made us these agents of transformation. He's making His appeal through us. Listen to verse 20 again at the end. Therefore, what does it say? We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. When's the last time you pled with someone to trust in Jesus? I don't care how reformed or not reformed you are. I'm going to say it this way. I don't care whether you're Calvinist or not. Don't care. God's word at this point is very clear. If you've tasted of the love and favor of Jesus Christ, then you are privileged and yet at the same time obligated to plead with people. Beg them, show them, point them, lead them. Plead with people. Trust in Jesus. Don't give up. Don't don't walk away from Walmart because of something terrible that happened. Don't, don't everybody, up and, up and once, just, just leave the city. Listen, if God calls you away, then absolutely go wherever it is that God calls you to go. But if God leaves you here, be an ambassador for the glory of God. Continue to teach and continue to preach and to continue to, as Paul says here, plead with people. Plead, beg them. Don't, don't, don't give up so easily Will you place your faith in Jesus Christ. Trust Him because of the work that He did for you on the cross. Because we've been reconciled to God, we have this privilege of helping others do the same. The word for ambassador there means it's a representative who speaks for the one who sends them. When you and I speak, it should be people who are speaking on behalf of the glory of God. This past week, after what happened at Walmart, I know a lot of folks from the seminary and many, I'm sure, from this church were intentional to go back. I was, the day that the store opened back up, I was there, done my shopping like I normally do, talking with several people, and I made a point when I was in line just to tell the young woman who was checking me out, I want you to know that I appreciate you and that I and a lot of people are praying for y'all right now. She just... As grateful as she be, as she just said, thank you. Thank you. I, I'm going to make it a point. I'm making it a point for the next few weeks because our family, we're we always going to Walmart for something. I'm going to make a point that if I walk in those doors and I see that le- young lady in that aisle, I don't care if there's 100 people in front of me and the next aisle has one. I'm going to make it a point to go speak to her again. I'm going to be intentional. You're, you're, I, I'm, I'm giving you my word. I'm going to be intentional just to make it a point, just to continue to go and, and just, just be a, a positive presence in her life and pray that at some point there won't be somebody behind me in line who gets frustrated and I can begin to have a real conversation about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear me, church. I, I'll be the first one to tell you we live in a hard city, if you didn't know it. If you've lived here for long, you know it. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter where you go. It really doesn't. This world is broken. This world is is hurting. This world is dying. And and we as believers, we, we can't give up so easily on the world. We as, hear me, We, as First Baptist New Orleans, cannot give up on New Orleans so easily. God didn't. God still moves, God still works. God still leads, God still provides, and as we believers think about the love of God, it compels us to walk more deeply with Him. And as we do such, He continues to transform us to make us look more like, sound more like, act more like Jesus each and every day. So that when we walk into that hard place where people are hurting because they've lost one of their co-workers... Ultimately, we can speak the truth of the gospel. Why? Because we've been transformed, hear me, to be transformers. Transformation actually is really simple. And at the same time, so hard. Transformation is simple. If you'll just trust in Jesus today, he will transform you radically. But it's so hard because many in this world continue to reject Jesus each and every day. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted in Jesus, i give you an opportunity to do so right now. You say, preacher, you don't know me. You don't know how bad I am. You're right. You don't know how bad I've been. You don't know what I did before I came to know Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord. Frankly, at this point, it doesn't matter. If you'll trust in Jesus Christ today, I guarantee you, he will come and dwell inside of you and give you a joy and a hope and a purpose for living. He'll give you a promise for an eternity in his presence. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, don't leave here without making it right today. For the rest of us, the church, can I challenge you just to continue to remember the love of God? Walk deeply and intimately with Christ. Let his power transform you. And as he does that, will you commit? Will you commit? Don't make a promise to me. I know I shared that that my goal with that young lady at Walmart with you, but I mean I'm, I'm not doing that for you. I'm doing that for the glory of God. Will you make a commitment to serve God by being change agents, by be by being an agent of transformation? Will you make a commitment? to love this broken city even though sometimes it's hard to love will you do such and in the end we'll see God move we'll see him do great and mighty things